1: Candice, live, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And wow, the Oscar nominations came out this week. And Charles Melton Hive, let me talk to you. Okay, the campaign unfortunately has ended. Our boy was snubbed, and we will be having a Zoom meeting later today. But let us find solace, okay? Because look, no acting noms for his peers, Leonardo DiCaprio and Marco Robbie. Instead. Becky G's song from the movie Flamin' Hot is nominated for Best Original Song. And I should have known that the Academy will always choose Diane Warren over Dua Lipa. So, on today's show, I am talking to a TikTok creator who has kind of had this like amazing hero's arc over the past few weeks. And it all started on December 29th when Michael Threets, a librarian in the Bay Area, posted this. TikTok.
0: You have your library card tattooed on you, right? No? Well, you must at least have a library card, yes? Still no? What? You know what? That's okay, because that just means you probably don't know that having fun isn't hard when you've got a
1: library card. This is Michael giving his viewers a pretty good PSA about what you can do with a library card. He even calls himself a book pusher and a library card pusher, and I love this. Others, however, were not as charmed because that same day, someone took Michael's TikTok and posted it on Twitter where they wrote the caption, people are getting weirder. And this user clearly thought his comments would be flooded with like agreement, but instead it was flooded with support for Michael with people asking, what's weird about promoting literacy and healthy habits and hobbies? I fuck with people that got strong passions like this. Loving libraries is totally normal. And so in the words of another commenter, this tweet has spectacularly backfired. And a lot of people reached out to Michael in his TikTok comments, to him personally, checking in to make sure he was okay. And on December 30th, he responded to the tweet with this TikTok.
0: But I hope you remember, as I'm trying to remember, that when people are really suffering, sometimes they resort to meanness, cruelty, because that's what they feel about themselves. Um, And I hope those people have a much better day tomorrow. I hope they experience kindness. I hope they experience joy. I hope they remember that they still belong at the library. I hope better days are ahead of them. I hope you are doing okay.
1: And to me... This is the definition of taking the high road. So on today's show, I'm going to be joined by Michael, the librarian, who has since been posting more anecdotes from his life at the library and speaking candidly about his mental health. And we're going to talk about all of that with Michael after the break. Hey, listeners, hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. We are thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So make sure you never miss an episode like this past Saturdays on Stanley Cups, Josh Wine, and Tunnel Girl. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night.
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. Prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: And we're back. Joining me today is a librarian from the Bay Area who you might have seen on TikTok spreading what he calls library joy. It's Michael Threats. Welcome to the show, Michael.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to join you in this conversation.
1: Oh, I see why am I? We are big fans of you and everything you stand for. And so before we dive in, you know, this is your first time on the show. So I have to ask you a question that we ask all first time guests, which is what is your first Internet memory?
2: Um, it depends on what your version of the internet is. My very first internet memory is probably being told not to get on the internet by my mom and dad. They were very frightened of the internet. Sure. Um, after they accepted that there was some that I was a child who was going to be on the internet, um, probably being on AIM, coming up with uh, being on Instant, Instant Messenger. Um, I wish I, I wish I remember my, my, um, my usernames. They're not, they weren't mm-hmm. as funny as a lot of people's, but I always got a kick out of it looking back, always saying BRB. As the away <laughs> message, I'll be back soon, even though I could have just left, didn't have to yeah. come back. Um, and after that, I just, I was a kid who was obsessed with MySpace. MySpace was my earliest real, real internet memories after that. Um, setting the profile song, getting basic HTML coding skills. Um just having the time of my life on MySpace. Um still having my parents say you can't be on MySpace. Um, I think it took me three times of like being getting in trouble for having MySpace before they were like, he's not gonna stop. Let's just let him have MySpace and <laughs> download all the music and have fun with some internet friends. <laughs> oh
1: my god. I am so curious about your taste. Can you like share with me like maybe what's a song that you put on your MySpace profile?
2: When I was heavy into my space, that would have been the hyphy movement, so E-40 mm-hmm. and Mac Dre and the mm-hmm. Federation and Mr. Fab, um, and then very much, I graduated in 2008, so I think I probably had Lollipop by Lil Wayne, oh like everybody God. else did in 2008, um, but that was also I me. Mean, I've, I've always been all over the place. I've always loved LeVar Burton, so I've always had Reading Rainbow on there. I had um, the Puff Thematic Dragon theme song on there for the longest time. Yes. I've always loved Selena, so Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb. Um, Paramour, Panga Disco. My music has always bounced all over the place. It's never been a consistent genre playlist.
1: The reason that we brought you on the show today is because you are like an actual TikTok creator. You know, you have over six hundred and seventy thousand followers. You post a lot of really great stuff about libraries because you are indeed a librarian. And so let me first ask, how did you become a librarian?
0: Um,
2: it's, it's a complicated question because I don't really know how I actually became a librarian. So I grew I grew up in libraries this is the way I probably stumbled into it. While everyone else wanted to be an astronaut, police officer, firefighter, it wasn't like I wanted to become a librarian. Um, I wanted to be all those things. Um, so when some things in my life didn't pan out, I just went back to the library for solace. And I think just being there so often is why I just randomly applied. So got my education, got my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. And then I was lucky enough to get hired very shortly after I got my degrees and I've just kept on rising in the library world ever since. And somehow it's led me to um, the conversation that we're having right now.
1: Yeah. And I want to ask you about this phrase that you bring up a lot on your TikToks, which is library kid. You know, I think like one of the coolest parts of your story is just the fact that you work at the library you grew up at. And so I wanted to ask, you know, for our audience who maybe is just dipping into your content, first off, how would you define a library kid? But also what was the library's role in your childhood?
2: The definition of a library kid, it really to me is any is any kid. I think that's my intent. That's why I say it probably five to twenty times each story, each video that I share. Um, it's trying to remind people that they're all capable of becoming a library kid. Anyone, even if you have never been to the library, you can become a library kid. If you've been once before, twice, a thousand times, anyone anyone's capable of becoming a library kid. And then the library for me was the most important place in the entire world. Um, I've known that I've had social anxiety since I was eight years old. It was like the earliest memory I have of having had a panic attack and social anxiety. Um and the library is where I always felt comfortable, where I felt safe. It's where I made my very first friends in books, in the Chronicles of Narnia, in Bud Not Buddy, in Lewis Sacker books, like Sideways Story from Wayside School. In Holes, like this cat who keeps on interrupting me. She's named after one of a <laughs> character from Holes, which um, all those books has meant so much to me. When I when I was a lonely kid, when I had trouble making friends, the library was there for me. Books were there, and this is a place where I felt loved. It's where I felt like I belong, where I wouldn't be turned away. Um, I was a very I was a very weird kid. I've always been a weird person my entire life. Um, in the libraries, where right? I was able to first embrace that being weird was okay. That it was fine to be weird. That it was great to be weird.
1: Now. We are here because you have a very interesting, beautiful presence on TikTok. And so I wanted to ask, when was the first time you posted on TikTok and maybe what inspired you to do so?
2: April or May of 2020 is when I first got TikTok during the height of the pandemic. And then my first post to TikTok was probably between May and July of 2020 and at the time I was just trying to follow all the trends all the dancing trends. I'm a terrible dancer, so they didn't do well at all. I was just trying it out. Um, I, I commented on TikTok much more than I posted. And then what drew me to post to post to TikTok, I think was I just saw, I just found, I found book talk. So I found like the book world of TikTok. And I first like found some success on TikTok by talking about the Adult Scholastic Book Fair, which was just taking a tried and true approach to people tried before about using the nostalgia of the Scholastic Book Fair to have it hosted in like breweries and wineries so that us adults can come together um, and experience the joy of the Scholastic Book Fair all over again, which again. That idea has been tested before. It was talked about on social media. But I think the spin I put on it was I wanted, like, the funds that were raised at the Scholastic Book Fair for adults to be dedicated to local schools and local students. I didn't want any more students going home empty-handed. I have a lot of friends. Um, didn't get to experience the Scholastic Book Fair for what it was, for how it should be. So I thought having them in mind, that in mind, um, would be a cool way for future students, future schools, and future teachers. Um, and people really liked it. And then probably April of 2023 is when I first posted to TikTok Instagram about all my uh, library stories that kind of become known to share.
1: I love that. And so let's turn a little bit into your output on TikTok. You have worked at the library that employs you for 10 years. When you got TikTok famous... Did your boss or coworkers have anything to say about it?
2: So my boss at the time when I quote unquote blew up on TikTok was actually one of the main ones who encouraged me to join TikTok and start talking about the library. I was at the marketing department at the time. I was helped oversee the social media for the library and helped revamp the website. Um, And she had seen what I made and she was like, you should do this for the library. And I really didn't want to do it just because I was like, God, like, I'm like, I'm not doing anything inappropriate. I was like, for myself, I'm like, I'm still me. It still is really difficult to think about like doing it like with rules in place for the library. I'm like, I could, but I'm like, I don't know how easy it would be. But she's always been one of the biggest supporters. Um, her name is Melissa. She works for the library. She's always done a wonderful job. But the rest of my coworkers, I think, um, a lot of them I think just didn't really realize what was happening. I think that's what's weird about social media for libraries, is like they've always like seen the followers they have far more than I have, but I don't think they ever realized what it meant or that it actually like could impact the library world the way it thankfully has. So I have been featured in not on a humble humble I'm just gonna show you what they think. Um, so I've, so I've been featured in like, um, ABC News, um, the New York Times, the Washington Post, um, Upworthy and NPR. NPR they really liked, but it was when I was featured by the school library journal. They were like,
0: oh, Michael,
2: wow. Congratulations. Look at you. To library people, the school library journal is like, is, is the New York Times. <laughs> it is like the Washington Post. And, um, I, I found that to be hilarious. But they've always been supportive. I think it is hard. Like So for me, I'm the supervisor of my library. Um, I think it is hard for like, my library people to see a lot of it just because I'm the supervisor. So I'm there as often as I can be. But I've had so many cool opportunities to support not only my library, but libraries on a nationwide scale, um, which means I'm not always there. But it is hard. Like sometimes it's gotten to a point where people will come to my library and they'll want to take selfies. And sometimes people will come up and say, you're my favorite librarian. And I'm like, thank you so much. That means the world to me. But There's another librarian right behind me. Uh, they just heard you say that. They <laughs> I'm responsible for them, um, which is why I mean, people are so excited. But I think that I think it is it is realistically a hard thing for people when, uh, when all that's happening, when they're doing such amazing work. And that's why I've always told people about my social media for libraries is I consider myself a narrator of libraries, telling the stories of the, the library people, library workers as they happen. Um, I'm just a hype person for libraries. I'm a cheerleader. So I'm by far not the world's best librarian. I just... I love the library. I'm very vocal about the library. Um, again, I'm shy and quiet and reserved, but I am remarkably extroverted and loud about the library, and libraries are naturally introverted, um, quieter folks, um, and I can be very loud when it comes to my library love and support.
1: Michael, I think you are the best librarian. You've been there for 10 years. They must like you enough to keep you around. I think <laughs> if even if you are not, in your own words, the best librarian, I do really do think You might be America's librarian. There is something about the way that you've kind of stratosphered, at least just the way that libraries have kind of been treated. Librarians have kind of been respected this year. And so, I mean, let's talk about that. You know, you and I both live in California. And in our state last year, Governor Gavin Newsom, he signed a bill into law that basically Bans, book bans, which means that this bill will block school boards from banning certain textbooks for trying to be inclusive of race and LGBTQ topics. And, you know, while this bigger conversation about banned books has been going on in other states, turning very different directions, I don't think it's an accident that people have been gravitating toward your content. And your joy in light of that, I think they've been turning there because of that. And so I wanted to ask, what gives you hope about like the next generation of library kids, but also Internet kids? Like, what do you think younger generations are doing a good job of both online and maybe even offline, like in the library where you work?
2: I think everything you said is 100% true. I think most of the success I've had on the internet, on social media, is because of what's going on in the world. Um, just the general general negativity of everything that's going on, be it warfare, be it poverty, be it men- uh, mental illness, be it homelessness, unhoused. There's so many things that are dark going on that I think I'm, I try to be very genuine. And I also try to be very real in talking about my own struggles. I think that's what makes it come across as very positive as I hope genuine and authentic is I'm trying to show people what I think they need, but more importantly, what I need. Oftentimes I'm talking to myself, I'm telling myself, I might want to hear hope and that'll impact somebody else. That gives me uh, tremendous hope for the future because there are so many book bans and book controversies going on. But I think kids are, they're so like, I hate to be cliche and say like, they're the hope for our future, but like, they're so incredible. They're so resilient. They're so powerful that they're not really into the book band. They absolutely see color. They love they love color. I remember when I was a children's librarian, I would go to school visits. And oftentimes when we were doing like a mobile library, we would bring a suitcase full of books to the libraries and I'd always bring like a whole bunch of Diverse books, um, books with book covers showing every, showing all sorts of different kids. And almost every single time, one of the kids would be like, Hey, look. And they hold up a co- hold up a book cover and show another kid. And they would be like, This kid looks like you. And that kid was like, Oh, it does. I gotta check it out. Um, or the other kids would like would want to check out that book because they want to learn more about their friend because they believe that just because the kid looks like them on the book cover, it must be their life. Um, and that's the way that, um, kid brains work. They're just, they want to know so much about people. They want to know about, their friends, about people who are who could be their friends who have the potential to be friends so kids are not the ones wanting books to be banned they want to read more and more they want to learn about people they want to befriend one another uh, i love there's a there's a library kid who's told me before that like we all have the same skeleton um and i, and I love that quote by them whatever affirmation whoever they're growing up is that taught them that i use that all the time that we all have the same skeleton uh when it comes down to it, we all have the same skeleton which i'm not a scientist i don't know how true that is but i love the potential we need behind the phrase and it gives me so much hope for them because that's their hope: is that they're trying to get to a world where everything can be better. They want to read books in peace. They want a world full of peace. Um, they kind of they're trying to learn from from uh, from people my age before me, all of our mistakes in the world, but also on social media. There's so much bullying going on nowadays that it's so difficult for kids to exist on social media. It's hard for grownups to even let them be on social media and exist day to day. It's very real for kids to have mental health struggles. It's not like anxiety and depression and panic attacks or something for um, 16-year-olds. It's not like you get to drive a car and get to have panic attacks. There are kids who are 10 years old who are struggling. I've seen them in the library. And I love that social media is becoming a place where they can find solace, where, yeah, it's very difficult. It is scary, but because of the authors, the illustrators, the educators today. The intent is there to
1: make it a safer place. And let's take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about mental health and something Michael wishes more people knew about librarians. All that and more after the break. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped
0: 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. And I'm producer Zach Stafford, and we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment, and how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real-life issues like grief to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat, come to life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we're back. I wanted to ask you if you had any personal rules for engaging online, because as you know, back in December, there were some comments made about your TikToks, some of which were not easy to hear or see. And I think something I love about your story is the way that that happened, but the positivity and support that came out of that was like a million times that drop of negativity. And I just have so much admiration for the way you've come out of that and have spoken about it and just kind of persevered past it. And so I first just wanted to ask about your reaction to that hubbub. What did it feel like?
2: My reaction to all negativity um, was a lot of sadness. It was a lot of um, being very, being very distraught. But I've told people recently that it wasn't as much as like I kind of like I've said, like, let's take the word weird back. It wasn't the person calling me weird um, that I was saddened by, that I was distraught by. So for me, having people hearing people like say, like, call me a freak, talk about my voice, talk about my mannerisms, people even coming to my aid and saying, oh, leave him alone. He's autistic, which I'm not autistic. Um, I've actually talked about it with my therapist and psychiatrist, before. For um, I say that because I believe that those people are um, are so remarkable, they're so phenomenal. I love having conversations with them, so that's why I was like for people being like, "Oh, leave him alone. He's autistic." I was like, "Thank you for trying to come to my aid," um, but that's not okay. It's not like if I'm not autistic, people can't come for me. People can come for others. That's not a way to create a world of kindness. So that was difficult, and having like having those having those people say that like I'm a danger to kids because. Um, I work for the library. I'm a children's librarian. There's no way that I can work for for the library and not be a danger. It's essentially what they were trying to say. So just all encompassing sadness was my reaction to what was said. Just because the way that it was it was flooding in. Um, That outpouring of support was just so amazing. I mean, just I mean, it was very cool to just have people who are like well known in the world reach out and be like, hey. We saw, we heard what you're going through. We just wanted to reach out and, and, uh, and, and apologize that that happened. Um, we've seen what you're doing. We, we love how much you care about libraries, which was amazing. That means that people who are well-known, people who are in the spotlight, uh, people far greater, far more rich than me, um, are taking notice of libraries and books, which is super cool. That's the whole reason I sought out to do all this stuff on social media.
1: Did it maybe change the way that you navigate the comments section a little bit?
2: The way that i kind of change social media in the um, in the aftermath um is i unfortunately i don't i don't look at the comments mm-hmm. as much um, i don't check all the messages anymore i still try to check as many messages as i can knock on wood my messages have always been very positive right now there just are so many messages honestly that i just can't get it would almost be like a full-time job for me to go through all the messages that's how kind people are and how many times i'm getting messages but for, for comments just because of what's said, it's probably, it's, it's, been, it's, it's best for my mental health, not really check the comments. So I think I realized that's kind of like the, I'm not a celebrity, but that's kind of like the celebrity way of like handling social media is to kind of like make a post. Um, and then for, again, they kind of just forget about it and they go on.
1: Yeah. I mean, the healthy thing is to not read the comments. I will tell you though, that if you do happen to accidentally read the comments, there are many people saying you should be given a show by PBS. People calling you this generation's Mr. Rogers or LeVar Burton. I wanted to ask about something else you talk about on your TikTok, which is mental health awareness. You know, you talk about loss and grief and you do mental health check-ins with your followers. I wanted to ask, is there like, a difference or maybe a freedom in talking about mental health on TikTok versus let's say on the day to day at your job. Are there conversations you feel like you can get into more because of TikTok?
2: So I, so I I love talking about mental health on, on both It's very important for me to do so, but it is much easier for me to talk about it on, um, on TikTok just because I can kind of control what I see about who responds to what, um, I'm very open to any, any response. A lot of the, I think TikTok is probably where I get the most messages, um, about people who are struggling, who are going through it, who need help. Um, which is why I, I kind of always um, post things first in TikTok, um, is because I know who kind of, who, who I think needs to see it first. But no, it's, it's very important to me. I think I think for for my uh, for my job, library people see men- people who are struggling with their mental illness day in and day out. Um, it's not something that we're trained in. We didn't we didn't get mental health a lot of mental health like seminars trainings. Mm in library school. And yet, because the library is a house of belonging, a place where anyone is welcome, where anyone should feel safe, that means that people who are mentally ill are also going to come into the library and we have to do our best um, to help them. And we honestly don't have all the tools and we're not equipped to do this day in and day out, but we do the best we can. We have conversations with people. Honestly, that's a good chunk of what we spend a lot of our time doing is listening to people, not necessarily talking them off the edge, but just reminding them that they are humans, trying to treat them as humans, as the humans that they are. And that takes a lot. It takes a lot out of them. It takes a lot out of us because we have to go home, overthinkers, overthink about what was said, what we did, what we could have done better. And then restart the process the next day, which is why I try to talk about mental health Day in and day out to remind my team and other library workers that we all need to be there for one another because it is very real. And that's why I love being able to talk about it on TikTok because it's an opportunity to show the people who won't often show their true emotions um, how true it is that they are seen, that they do belong, um, that even if they don't feel loved, they are loved, that I may not know them. Other people may not know them, but we still love them we're still happy that they're in this world. But I think what's a little bit different about the way that I do it is I kind of like focus more on like the darker aspects um, of those who are struggling. I think that's because I struggle. So I made a TikTok video like encouraging people that it's okay if you're wearing the same hoodie day in and day out. I see you,
0: I'm proud of you. I love you for getting up today. I love you for keeping on the same hoodie, but putting on a new blanket. Whatever it takes, whatever steps you made today, I can't believe it. You are so great. You are taking it one day, one hour, one minute at a time. And oftentimes, that's the only thing we can do.
2: I think people don't often realize like how real that is about mental mental health. That's what people want to hear. That's what they need to hear. That they don't have to have the best day to succeed to get past their mental uh, their mental illness. That it is okay to not be okay. Uh, I think that's it. So to people who are hyping others up, they're not wrong. But I think that's why sometimes those messages of hype get lost is because when you're hyping people up, you also need to acknowledge that what they're going through is real. And that takes um, experiencing it, giving them the lesson that a person's like, yes, I've been where you are. I am where you are. And I'm hoping that we can get to the next stage, get to the next day together. Who knows if tomorrow will be my day? Who knows if tomorrow will be your day? But if we both give it our all if we just whatever level that is if our all is a two or all is a seven hopefully a 10 that's all we can give and whatever number we're at that's a perfect us that we have to give and that's why i'm blessed to be able to share my mental health thoughts my mental health affirmations and encouragement on tiktok and in person. I think that's, I think that's probably the biggest benefit to me about talking about TikTok is I'm able to talk about it more openly with my friends. And that's all because of the platform that I have been lucky enough to be bestowed um, upon me and talk about on almost a daily basis.
1: I think all of your TikToks really adds something to this forsaken internet we live on. And so I just appreciate that you really combine my favorite things, mental health and books. Thank you so much for your service. Before we go, I did want to hit you with some rapid fire questions to kind of like complete your internet diary a little bit. And so let's start here. Michael, what was the first fandom you joined and where did you find them?
2: The first fandom that I probably joined was the world of Harry Potter Um, and then just reading the, reading the Harry Potter books. It was something where, I know Harry Potter is very controversial today, rightfully so. Um, but I experienced it through my family, through my grandparents. It was a book series that I grew close with my grandfather with. Um, we would read the books together and we would see the accompanying films and the movies when they, when they were released. So that was the biggest fandom. And that's how I joined it was through, um, through the library, of course. Um, and then through my grandparents and then just connecting that way wearing our, wearing our Hufflepuff shirts.
1: what meme do you reference the most
2: i reference a meme there's there's two um the i think the first one is the the baby this that is kiki palmer um i love <laughs> i love that meme um i use that one all the time and i love the, the the freeze frame i bet you wonder how i ended, ended up here this is another one of my go-to i think whenever i'm on social media like i'm trying to like, make a meme reaction that's probably the main one
1: i love that and last one what is something you wished more people knew about libraries or librarians?
2: For librarians, I wish more people realized that almost every librarian has a master's degree, that um, librarians really are quite, quite intelligent. They are life. They are true lifelong learners. they didn't just stumble their way into it, they're not volunteers. Um, They don't know everything, um, but they do know a lot of things. They definitely know a little about a lot of things. They're there. They're true Jeopardy type of individuals. Um and then for libraries I just wish people realized that we are more than books. I mean we're always gonna be books, we're always gonna be library cards. Um I've said often now that that we're library put library card pushers, we're book pushers. Um <laughs> But there's so much. I mean, my library has, um, we have musical instruments, we have board games, um, we have video games, we have a bakeware collection. Soon we're going to be launching a gardening tool in the library collection. There are museum passes. We're, we're in California. There are California State Parks passes. You can park at the parks for free. Um, and there's so much more. The library, it, it really is for everybody. If you're poor, if you're rich, there's always a time for you to be at the library. And I wish people remember that. And also, like I, I say those things, but then there are indeed libraries who, Don't have the best funding. So I hope people realize that if their library doesn't have the very cool things I just mentioned, the best thing you can do is talk to your local library staff. That is the best way to make things happen, to let them know what you're hoping to see, because feedback is important to us. Um, It's the way that library staff can convince their bosses and their bosses' bosses for there to be board games and video games at your local library. So libraries need you is definitely the main thing I would love for any person who's listening to you remember that libraries don't exist without you. You are very important to the library, um, not just for uh, for us to continue existing, but just because you are. That's what the library was created for. Is for you.
1: Okay, that's the show. I want to thank Michael Threets for joining me on today's episode. You can follow him on TikTok and Instagram at Michael3TS. And if you're wondering, yes, his cat joined us for the conversation and Kissing Cat Barlow, who is named after the character in Holes, is doing very well. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at icymi_pod, underscore pod. And you can always drop us a note at icymi at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley Ricks, Rachel Hampton, and me, Candace Lim. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online or at the library.